mate. Good. Yeah, Good. Well, early ting. Early ting. Yeah. Six thirty ting. Gotta be done. Today we have another special guest join us. I'm delighted to welcome Seamus Kennedy to our podcast. A player that has had a very interesting career in football so far, and I'm sure we'll have some tales to tell. A youth international and over 200 games in the English Football League, and is currently captain of League One side Akron and Stanley. A friend of mine, and in my opinion, one of the nicest and most genuine players you will ever meet in your life. Welcome to our podcast, Shay. How have you been? Well, Cheers, man. Yeah, welcome. Welcome, Seamus. Tearing up there, man. <laughs> Very emotional, man. Hey, Love it, Shane. Great intro. Seamus, how you been? Anyway, good? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, yeah, nice to see you again. Been a long time. Yeah, no, yeah. We we talk on and off every couple of months and years and stuff, but yeah. When was the last time you guys saw each other? Ah. Oh. Uh, we had a night out in Galway, do you remember? When Danny Ledworth just moved to Sligo, you came to Galway, didn't you? We had a night oh. out, that was the last time. Was Shane that on was the... years ago. No, night out or something I can't really remember a lot of. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. no. Nah. So it's been Shane, a while, but um, did Shane end up in a bush? It. Yeah, Shane's terrible on the night out. We lost him in California, Shane. We lost him. Like I, I was close to phoning his missus and being like, we can't find Shane. Lost him. Lost him. Right. Found him the next morning in a bush next James, to hotel. I do have a, a quick question, obviously. Um, what was what was Shane like as a player? Because uh, he's very, he's very well respected here in Australia. Like he's one of the best players, and because the three of us play in the same team now, obviously you've done obviously a lot better. You know we're playing for the Lions, which isn't <laughs> the level, which isn't the level you're playing at. But um, nah, Shane, what was uh, what was Shane like as a player to play with at Sheffield United? Was, yeah, yeah, yes. We were Sheffield United for two years, I think, eighteen months. I think my first season, you were still with the academy, Shane. Then you got up into the first team for the second year. Yeah. And um, yeah, te- technically very good. A lot better than me technically. We used to play with, with each other in centre mid, but I could get around the pitch a little bit better, I think. But on the ball, <laughs> his pass distribution was an awful lot better than what I had. Um, you used to do my running, didn't you, Shay? I did your running for yeah, yeah, yeah. But Love we used it. to play golf all the time together. We were decent oh. golf pair. Oh Love yeah, steadiest swing, be- steadiest swing in England. This guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. bit slow of a swing, but technique very handicap. good. It's about 12 or 13. I don't play as much Ooh, as I'd like that. to. But love he's that. Shane hit a hole in one. It's the only hole in one I've ever seen live. He hit a hole in one when I was... Oh, I remember that. Shane, yeah, Got yeah. a picture on my Instagram, actually. Right off the <laughs> toe, wasn't it, Shaz? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember that day, actually. And it was just bounced and bounced. And I was like, that might go in. And I was like, yeah, we were yeah. jumping around the golf course. It was like a Sunday afternoon. It must have been just the two of us on the course or something. We made enough noise, yeah. Yeah, no, it was quality. Um, no, it's really good to see you and obviously appreciate you coming onto the podcast with us. Um, Pleasure. How's things with you there in England at the minute with, um, obviously, the coronavirus is, is, is quite bad over there. Um, yes. How, how's the situation with you and, and when, obviously, did you stop playing football and, and, and what are you kind of up to now? Um, I think it was like the middle of March we stopped. It was a Friday. We were meant to travel down to play Portsmouth on the Saturday. So we travelled the day before because it's such a, a long one. Um, and we got to the ground about nine o'clock, ready to get on the bus. And they said that um, Mikel Arteta just tested positive oh, yeah. for coronavirus. Yeah, I that. So there was a Premier League, uh, an EFL uh, board meeting. So they delayed the departure of the bus. So we just started training. And the manager came out and said it's we've been called off till I think it was the 4th of April they initially suspended it until um, so they sent us home straight away for a week initially and then we were just about to come back a week later when we received a text message the night before saying you're off till further notice lad because it's been pushed back again there was another meeting with the EFL and the Premier League where they said um, there's no sign of when we're going to come back so we're, we're suspended indefinitely so since then I haven't been back in the ground. Um, I haven't seen any of the lads. We've spoken obviously over text message and a few Skype Skype calls now and again, but um, everyone's just doing their own thing now and nobody really knows what's happening. There's, there's an awful lot of rumours in the press, um, Sky Sports, um, the sports sections on the, in the newspapers, but nothing concrete is happening. It seems as if nobody really knows what's, what's the story. Because like you say, it's a lot worse here than it has been in Australia, um, mm. just going by the news, Australia seems to have handled it a lot better than, than how we've handled it in this country. 
I think we're maybe maybe more so than even handling it better. I think we've just been a little bit lucky as well because we're so far away from everyone else. Possibly, possibly, um, and, and the amount of people coming in and out of the UK—it's a big yeah. In it's, Europe, it's, there's a lot of it, there's an awful lot of travel, so it's probably harder to contain it here. Yeah, exactly um, right. Yeah, it's 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 very strange times, um, mm. especially for the lads like in the football league, the Premier League. <laughs> The players, obviously, they're on big money and they're on long contracts. Mm. An awful lot of players in the football league now, especially League One and League Two, contracts are going to be up in, I think it's about eight weeks' time. My contract's up in eight weeks' time, the 30th of June. Um, sure. And and team, and and it's not because chairmen are being being tight or they're, 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 they're not having the best interest of their players. Because they don't, if going to have money coming in to, to give new contracts out, they don't know when they're going to get crowds back. There's an awful lot of talk of if we do come back to finish the season, it'll be behind closed doors. And for a team like Ackman and Stanley, that's that's really tough to take because so much of their money comes from um, from the gates. Like when we play Coventry or Sunderland or Portsmouth this season, yeah. they'll probably bring more fans than we, we'll have our own fans, you know? So they're, they're big money spinners for the club when we play the likes of them teams. So if we had to play them behind closed doors, it would be a real um, have a real financial impact on on Ackington. So, wow, that's really time. that's really interesting. That that's really interesting. What like money? Obviously, it's it's in these times. One thing one one thing that I've noticed is is money talks. You know that like like you just said is the big clubs could probably get away with it in the Premier League, oh. but it's the effect that it's having on the on the the lower levels and. What's really interesting, I was watching Sunderland till I die with my wife. She's turned yeah. into a she's turned into a Sunderland fan for some <laughs> reason. But uh, yeah, the 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 crowd that they bring, you know, you can't you can't match that. I, I I suppose I got a question is is um just how difficult is is League One, Seamus? Like you know, from watching that documentary, you know, Sunderland thought they were just going to go straight back up, and I was thinking yeah. it's pretty similar to a league here in Australia. It's it's it's, it's difficult. And obviously, you being right in the thick of it, being captain, how how tough is that league in in English football? It is a tough one um, for a team like Sunderland, and I think Shane will be able to tell you this. It they need to bounce back almost straight away because the longer you stay down, the more difficult it gets. The longer you stay down, your budget's going to get cut every season, every season, every season. When me and Shane were at Sheffield United, they got relegated from the Championship, and Sheffield United are a massive club, and they must have been in League One for about five or six years before they got back out of it back to the championship and then they went straight back to the Premier League. But it's just, you know, it's the longer you stay down, it just gets more difficult every season. I mean, Portsmouth are down there. They didn't get back up last year. Uh, you had Charlton, they were down there for a couple of seasons. Barnsley were down there for a couple mm. of seasons. These are teams that have played in the Premier League. Yeah, like yeah. Leeds, Leeds went down as far as it a few years ago. Mm. Um, so there's, there's some big teams down there. Coventry are a massive team as well. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, it just shows you how, how competitive it is teams coming down from the championship they're not they're not guaranteed to go straight back up again because yeah. you know it's 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 a, it's a tough league it's an awful lot of games 46 games you need you need an awful lot of um a strong will in your team able to play saturday tuesday saturday tuesday games that get called off around christmas so time so many games that's that's because, a lot of games you know pitches pitches aren't the best so there's games called yeah. off around christmas time so come february march you've got a load of games to play in the space of you know, seven or eight weeks, you might play about 12, 13 games. Then you've got Jeez. the Easter, you know, you play a lot of games over Easter and it's a tough running. Um, mm. So it is a really physically demanded league. And I think, you know, it's an eye opener for, for teams when they get relegated or players yeah. who come into the come into the league from from foreign leagues. It's it's physically, physically tolling on your body. That's that's the big thing, I would say. Yeah, I was going to, just a quick, just a quick one to follow up on what Lee asked, because we have... Obviously, a lot of Australian players have this dream of going over to play in England. You know, that's that's kind of like the the end end goal of a lot of players, and they want to go and play league, even League One or League Two. So, from a player attribute perspective, like from a, for a player going to here, what's what do you think are the main attributes needed to be able to even compete at the level you're competing at? Because, like you said, a lot of players come over and they're just surprised by how hard it is. They think it's going to be easier because it's a lower level. Yeah. Well, I'd say. One, one thing you have to be physically, you know, fit, being able to play these games, being able to look after yourself. The other thing for foreign players is coming over, and you might laugh at it, but to come to a place like Acton, it's the weather. It's so cold, you know, it's even colder than Ireland. It rains even more than Ireland. 
and the weather gets very bleak. It's dark at like half three in the winter and, wow. and people come here and they, they're not used to that, you know? Yeah. They don't yeah. like it. You know, the, the training facilities aren't the best at Accrington. Um, it's probably different at other clubs in League One, but if you come to Accrington, we don't really have a training pitch. We train on AstroTurf most of the time or 3G pitches. Um, the, the, the ground, the dressing rooms aren't massive. You need to be able to, to handle all these things, but then still go out and, 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 and play on a Saturday or a Tuesday. Um, week in, week out, and 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 do your best. Um, so it's, that's really it's wow. That's easy, really interesting. So do you think it's more of a mental game, huh? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I think so. so. Yeah, that's the first thing. Obviously, you've got to have the talent. You've got to. Yeah. If you're coming over here, you've already got the talent. You know, if you're good enough to Hopefully. come over here and go on trial or something, yeah, you're presuming you've already got the talent. But you've got to be able to have the mental side. You've got to be able to accept that you're going to play a lot of games. Your body's going to be tired. It's going to be freezing cold. The facilities aren't going to be the best. Uh, the pitches are going to get bobbly in the winter. You're not going to be playing on a carpet all year. All these things, you know, that's you need so, to be able to take. That's take so things, true, mate, because so many, like so many pros that we spoke to have, have, have always come back to that mindset. Um, the mindset of the player just maybe separating themselves from others, you know, because obviously if you're coming from overseas, surely you've got a little bit of talent. But like you yeah. said, yeah. Like you said, you know, dealing with that that weather and living away from home is what you've got to try and yeah. deal with, probably. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really another thing you mentioned on there, that the homesickness. I know me and Shane could attest to that when we went to Sheffield United. It's only across the water um, from where we were from, but it's it's a, you're away from home. You're away from your surroundings. You're away from the people that you know, that support network that you've had growing up, those people who come to watch you and you're, you're comfortable around. All of a sudden, you're taken away from that. You're thrown into a, into a team where... You are a team, but everyone's got their own individual um, aspirations, and it's a little bit—it's mm. a little bit dog eat dog in football, isn't it? You've got to look after your own position, you know. And if, yeah. if you're not—if you're not performing well, you're out of the team. The manager's, you know, he's got to put someone else in the team to do the job, and you've got to be able to handle that. And you're not—you you can't go home to speak to your mom or your dad, or you've been able to speak to before and yeah, uh, get a really hug off them because because you're away from home now. So, like mm. you say, you mentioned Jules coming over from Australia. Yeah. You know, you're, you're a thousand times further away from home than me and Shane were. So you've got to, deal, you know, it's a thousand times harder, in, in my opinion. It's really that's, interesting that's very true. for everyone that's listening. Because like, like Jules said, that is literally, if you're at, to ask 99% of players in Australia, their dream is to go and play in the UK, you know. Yeah. In particular, Premier League. And we try and save some, you know, it's, it's, it's less than 1% that actually do that. Yeah. Let alone yeah. people from overseas, you know. That's but a really I, good insight. But I feel like people don't, especially over here, don't really understand how tough League One is and League Two and 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 stuff like that. And obviously, you've heard it there from a captain of a of a club in League One how tough it is. You know, played over two hundred games and and he still describes it as that. So, for any player thinking that they're going to go over there and walk into a League Two or League One club, it's, it's not going to happen really, because it. For me, it's so competitive, them leagues. And because, like you touched on earlier, teams are dropping back down there and everything, like, it, once you get into the championship, you're then, you're one league away from pushing the club to another platform altogether, you know? So it's so competitive. Everyone is scrapping it out to try and get up there. And then... Yeah. No, it's it's I mean, really interesting here. Yeah, I mean, so every year, like in League One, it's a, it's a tough, tough division because four teams go down every season. So... Um, and you get three, you get three go up, two automatic, one through the playoffs. You've got four that go down, so four is an awful lot. You only ever get three in the Premier League, three in the Championship, and only two go down in League Two. So to have four mm. in League One to go down yeah, in the season, it's it's a it's a dogfight. So you know you're never really safe. You could be mid-table in February, but you know you have you have a tough tough couple of months, and you'll be stuck right down into the into a dogfight, and you'll be looking over your shoulder for the rest of the season. Mm. Massive that. So just to go back, and um, obviously, football has been suspended for a while. Um, mm. ha- has the club um, said anything to you guys about like any chats when it's going to resume, or is it is, is everybody just waiting to hear from the top and 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 then make a move from there? No, we haven't we haven't heard anything from the club. Um, like I say, there's been rumours, but nothing more than rumours in the press um, and on Sky Sports. Our chairman has come out and said that he doesn't want to play games behind closed doors because at the moment, I'm not sure if you understand what's happened in the UK is we've been what it, 
we've been what is known as furloughed. So the government are paying 80% of our wages at the moment and the club are just topping, topping, them, topping us up. So we are still on full pay. But that's, the club can only do that whilst we're not working. So if we were to come back and play games behind closed doors, the club would have to pay us full wages uh, without any government support mm. and have no income from crowds. So our chairman has come out. He's, he's one of the only ones actually to do it. He's actually come out on, on radio and he said um, he doesn't want to come back and play behind closed doors because it would, it would really push Accrington close to the brink. And I'm sure there's other clubs in, in, the, in the lower divisions, League One and League Two, who feel like that. But um, whether they're, That's really not com- they're not comfortable in coming out and saying that. I mean, there was a couple of teams, even before this happened, who were, who were struggling to pay wages. And it seems to happen every year in, in the lower divisions. Teams just pay too much money. And they just don't live within the existing last year because they just blew a load of money. Um, Bolton started off the season with a minus 12 points because they blew loads of money. Uh, mm. South End didn't pay wages this year uh, a few times because they just couldn't afford it. They signed players on, on contracts that they just can't, they can't honour. And this is even before, you know, all this coronavirus and the, the loss of gates and the loss of income that, that teams are going through at the moment. So it's, wow. it's a scary time. Um, to be a footballer because I don't know what football is gonna is gonna look like when it comes back and 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 when it does come back I don't know what it's gonna look like. That's yeah wow. That's madness. Um, I I listened to Gary uh, Neville on the podcast yeah. and he he came out and said he was he said it straight out and he he wasn't taking no for an answer that he feels like <clears throat> clubs should be supported. There should be everybody should be given a, like a certain package. You know, for yeah. for obviously this time, and I'd agree because <clears throat> there's so much money in the game, especially at the top. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. and a million dollars to a Man City isn't a lot, whereas a million dollars to a, an Akron and Stanley or a, a Berry or or whatever team is changed the whole, yeah, the whole club's um like future really. Yeah, all pompous wages. Think about. Yeah, the thing about that is in Gary Neville, is it's great to hear him saying that, but I just feel like he's only become aware of that since he's taken over Salford. So there's mm. a lot of people on Sky Sports and they're just absorbed with just the Premier League, you know? But because Gary Neville now owns a club in League Two, he's fully aware of what it takes to run a club in the lower divisions and how difficult it is and how close to the edge a lot of clubs run every day. And then you take teams in the Premier League and owners in the Premier League and it's just a completely different world up there and they've yeah. so much money that they can blow money on all sorts of things and it doesn't bother them. They can run at a loss every year and it's not going to bother them because their owners have so much money they can pump into the club. Mm. So to see some of that trickle back down into the, into the Championship and certainly into League One, League Two and even into the grassroots, you know, they should, they, they, the FA should implement rules where X amount, X percentage of Premier League revenue has to go back into the grassroots game. Um, totally agree. To keep, the, like, to keep the lower league going. The money that these players are on, now don't get me wrong, you know, the journey to becoming a professional footballer at yeah. level is, is very hard. However, you know, the money that some of the players get is absolutely ridiculous. Some of that money could keep a club alive, you know, keep a club mm. going. And and I just, yeah, totally agree with you there. You'd rather, you'd rather see some of that money filter down than seeing a club fold and go, you know, history gone. Um, it's going to be really interesting. You've got, to, you've got see. to understand what these clubs mean to the community as well. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, I can only speak from Accrington because that's what I've known since I've been over here. But Accrington's like, it's a working class town. Um, the people go out and they work hard Monday to Friday and they look forward to coming to the Wham Stadium on a Saturday to watch their team play. So they have, you know, they have their routine, they go to the pub, they have a few few pints they go watch the game and they go out to the pub afterwards they might go out to a restaurant then later on and it's just it's it's so much part of their lives if you were to take the football team away from the town people wouldn't know what to do with themselves come the weekend what have they got to look forward to all week all week while they're, they're working hard what, what they're going to spend their wages on at the weekend and that's the same about so many towns in this like Bury Bury's a, a prime example the people of Bury what, what have they done for this last season now every week every every Saturday or every other Saturday, sorry. They, they're not going to watch the team play. And all the pubs and all the restaurants and all the chippies and stuff like that around the ground, they've had such a, yeah. a, such a loss of, 
away fans not coming in every other weekend, they struggle too. That's how important it is for these clubs to, to stay alive, yeah. to stay afloat, because it's such a life lifeblood to the to the community. Hundred percent. I'm hoping that after all this this virus is gone, that it, it, it sort of gets itself going again because everyone's missing it. You know, everyone, I'm missing football so much. Just I'm a Liverpool fan, so I don't know what to do. Take up Quidditch. I don't know. I just don't think we're ever going to win the Prem. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. I think. Um, I, go on. I was going to say, you know, obviously trying to get away from the virus. Obviously, we want to talk a little bit about your career, um, which is an incredible career. You know, I just wanted to ask about your journey as a player and working your way through the leagues and how did you get to where you are now, really? did. And, and I've, I've also got an added question to that is, do you feel like do you feel like more players uh, start maybe at Premier League Championship and end up where you are, or do they sort of work their way up? What what's the pathway like in terms of like where you're playing at the minute? I think more I think more t- more players will probably start at Premier League academies, Premier League clubs, and come down because there's more branches to hit on the way down. I think it's harder to work your way up. Um, but I'd have to go. I'd have to like think of all the players in our team and, and what their journeys have been on. But just off the top of my head, I think it's probably easier if you if you were at a, at a, at a big academy and you got let go. There's probably more branches to hit on the way down. Um, but yeah, so I started off in um, Galway United in the League of Ireland. That was my local team, and I played three seasons there. And then I went over to Sheffield United with Shane. I was there for eighteen months and got let go. But what was what really helped me at that point was I'd already played in the League of Ireland. So to go back there, I was already known in the league. So I had like a, something to fall back to. Whereas I don't know if Shane would agree with me here, but I know that he got released the same time. He didn't have that experience of playing in the League of Ireland. He wasn't known in the League of Ireland. Um, I think you, you just came over as a, as a scholar, didn't you, Shane? Yeah, I moved when I was 15, so. Yeah, so, um, so I was able to fall back to the League of Ireland, whereas... Shane didn't have that um, that CV basically, so I went back to Sligo Rovers, um, and then I had a big stroke of luck with John Coleman getting the Sligo Rovers job, who then got the Accrington job a three, about three months later and asked me did I want to come over, and um, that was my way back to to English football. It was just it was a stroke of luck really. If it, if John Coleman hadn't got the Sligo Rovers job, I don't think I would have made it back to England. So you need that little bit of break um, along the way. Well, that's really interesting because I know the boys are smiling because we, we talk about this all the time. Um, and we obviously just recently did a podcast with Gail Cliche and he talked about... saw that. Yeah, the, yeah, the law. I saw that and I think I'm following Gail Cliche here, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a bit of a letdown to your listeners. <laughs> yeah. No, it's... Uh, yeah, it, he, I don't know if you listened to it, but he talked about his look and you just mentioned that there. Um but I think the big thing from that is like I don't want people to think, oh, you need to be lucky to be a professional footballer. It's gonna be you. You probably took your chance, you know. You got that slice of luck, but you took your chance. Yeah, I think I think everybody needs a break along the way. You need something just to fall into place. So for me, I've always felt like John Coleman coming to Accrington. It just fell into place because for me to get back to England, I just thought that. If scouts were going to come over and watch games, I wasn't the type of player that was going to stand out if you were just watching a game. But for him to see how I was in training, how I was in the dressing room, how I was day in, day out at the club, I think he just took a liking to that. So, And that's something he would have only seen as a manager. And then for him to get the job at Accrington, at the time I was going out with a girl from Sheffield who I'd met when I was in Sheffield, She'd moved over to Sligo with me. She was anxious to get back closer to home. And Accrington was about an hour and a half from Sheffield. So she was eager to move to Accrington. So it all just kind of fell into place nicely at the right time. But like you say, then that's, you, you've got your break. Then you have to go over and you have to perform to get a new contract, to get another contract, to get another contract, to stay in the team, to play games. So you, you, they go hand in hand. You need, to, you need to work hard. You need to be talented. You need to have, have a break. They all... They all add up to. I just, uh, I just want to touch on what you said there, just for a lot of players that listen to our podcast, is that you mentioned about, um, like how how you were off the field, you know, in the training ground, your, you know, your attitude towards being around the lads, um, 
I feel like that is a valuable, valuable point there for our listeners is that sometimes it's, it's not always about what you do on the pitch. You know, you could be absolutely yeah. outstanding on the pitch, but not a very good team player or you're not, you're a, you're a bad egg in the changing room. And I suppose that's obviously worked really well for you in your career. And, and, and it obviously speaks volumes because you're captain of Axton Stanley now. So you're obviously doing something right. So I think that's something really valuable for our listeners there that, what you do and how you conduct yourself off the pitch can really help you further along the line and you just never know who's watching you, you know. Yeah, I mean I've seen I've seen since certainly since I've been over here in, in League Two and then and now more recently in League One, I've been, I've come up against players where we watch we watch a video of our opposition the day before we play and you see some players and you think, God, he's not great him. He doesn't move very well, does he? Or his passing's not the best. He's got no technique. And then you come up and you play them on the Saturday and you just, you can just see his the pitch he has on his, on his teammates and how he, he marshals them around and he, he just gets the best out of his players. And you can just see he's made a career out of, you know, being vocal, understanding the game, getting the best out of his players. And then there's other players that are just <laughs> so technically gifted. There's, there's different ways to make, to make a career out of football. You don't have to just be, you know, able to hit 50, 60 yard diags and, you know, have a great touch and stick the ball in the top corner all the time. You know, there's other ways to, to, to make it. If you can't do that, there are, there are other ways to make career. Obviously everyone needs the basics, you know, you need to be able to control the ball, pass the ball 10 yards, head the ball, tackle, things like that. But, you know, after that, you can, you can progress by having a little bit of heart, a little bit of now stuff in your head, being able to get the best out of your teammates, basically. Would you say Jordan Henderson is a good example of that, really? I, hey. He possibly is, but it, that's probably doing him a disservice. He's incredibly talented as well. You yeah, know? I mean, yeah. some of the passes he makes and, you know, his natural, the natural gifts that he has are immense. But then he also has that, you know, he gets the best out of his players. You can see they 100%. respond to him. Um, when he's when he's missing from the team, like he was missing for a spell there, wasn't he? Just before the yeah before the season was postponed, lost a few games. So you can see the impact yeah. he has on he has on the team. Um, yeah, Is that one of your strongest like, attributes, Seamus? Being able to push others yeah, through the game. Yeah, talk them through the game. Yeah, get onto them. Let them know. You know, um, don't let them slack. Don't let them try to idle through games. Constantly, you know, at them basically. You know, niggling at them. Then you've got to understand how to get the best out of players. Some fellas need a, you know, a bollocking. Um, other lads need a, 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 an arm around them to, you know, to to get the, to get the most out of them. So it's it's understanding who you who your players are and, and the best way to get the get the most out of them. You need to know you need to know your players. Um, just really quickly go back to the Sheffield United days. You just spoke about some getting a, a slice of luck or a, getting a chance. Do you look back on that time and think? Maybe if things would have went a little bit different, or I would have got that bit of a, a bit of a chance earlier when you were there. Obviously, do, do you have a little bit of regret from that time? No, I don't. I don't, Shane. I, I don't think I was good enough to be perfectly honest. Well, I certainly didn't believe I was good enough at the time, and I know now that as soon as I went back to the League of Ireland, I just felt comfortable again because I knew that I played at this level, and the players in the team that I went back to Sligo, I'd played against all of them and I'd been teammates with some of them already and I knew that they accepted me. When I was at Sheffield United, I thought like, these fellas don't know who I am. Mm. Um, at the time they were in the championship and I was thinking, playing in front of 25,000 every week, it just completely overawed me. And it got to a point where I, I would, you know, sometimes when we'd come in and they'd split the squad and some of us would be training with the first team and some of us would be with the reserve. I'd rather train with the reserve because I was comfortable training with you boys. You were my mates. And yeah. the first team were just, I was, I was worried. I thought I was just going to be made a fool of if I went train with the first team. Danny Wilson was never going um, to pick me anyway. And I'd rather just, just train with you boys. And yeah. that, was a, that was the wrong attitude to have, but I just felt safe at the time, just thinking, yeah, I'll just, I'll just train with the reserves. I enjoy training with, you know, eight, nine lads, 10 lads or something, whoever we were training with and the sessions that would be put on. Um, I never, yeah, I never just, I never believed that I was, I was good enough when I was at Sheffield United. Did you, did you do some sessions with the first team? Yeah, we did. Yeah, I mean, we'd get pulled in um, probably once or twice a week. It's particularly on a on a Friday, 
when they were doing shape, they'd want to they'd want to do an eleven v eleven. We'd get pulled in, and I was always hoping that I wouldn't get picked. I was always hoping that I'd stay with the reserves because wow. I was comfortable playing with the reserves. I knew that I knew that I was accepted in the reserves, like the sort of likes of Shane. There was other lads who were we were all of us of a similar level. So I wasn't gonna you know I wasn't gonna look like a fool. But when I went with the first team, I just thought these lads are looking at me thinking, who's this Irish lad come over here? Who's he played for? Galway United never even heard of them. You know, this is we're in, we're in the championship here now, or we're we're top of League One here, trying to get promoted. You know, you, you just yeah. Shane, Shane, and Seamus, I do have a question. Is there any players from that reserve team that you played in together that have gone on to play maybe Premier League or Championship in that in that team you had back then? Not not in the reserves. No, no. none of them have. No, no. I think Seamus is probably the the. Um... The biggest name of, of that team we had. There was a couple. A couple of them have played in, have played in the league, but they're not in the league anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're playing the conference now. Danny Phillips <clears throat> coaching the conference. Um, I think Conor Brown plays a little bit lower than that now as well. Yeah. I always find that so interesting because, what now? Now that we're a little bit older, you look back at teams and you're like, he's gone that way. He's gone this way. He's gone there. Yeah. yeah. And like, yeah, I look at that sometimes. It makes me feel sick with some of the players I've played against, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's hard to if you were twenty years old, twenty years old again, and you looked at your team, then it'd be very hard to predict who's going to go, who's going to go yeah. where. You know, if you look it's back, crazy, isn't 10 it? Years, it's crazy. mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think no, that's, that's I think that's testament to how people peak at different ages as well. Um, I feel like I didn't I didn't start playing my best football till I was about twenty eight, and I know people. I can think of people now who peaked when when they were fifteen. Like this fellow that I played with was fifteen. He was unbelievable, and by the time he was seventeen, he wasn't even playing anymore. Just, you know, he was that, that was wow. as good as he got. He never continued to, to progress. And I think that's wow. the case for, for loads of people. Yeah, I agree. It's interesting. It's interesting. We got released on the same day. Um, I can actually remember that day and stuff. Was your confidence knocked then? Or, or were you totally just re- a bit relieved to kind of get away from Sheffield United and try and go back to where you were comfortable? Yeah, no, my confidence wasn't knocked because I was going back to a team, like I mentioned earlier, that I played against. Mm. And done well against, and so I, most of the team, my my teammates, then that became my teammates. I'd already played against them in the league, and I felt yeah. accepted straight away. As a, like I'd never felt accepted at Sheffield United, like I just touched on. Yeah. Um, so straight away I felt comfortable, and I went into a team at Sligo Rovers. They were top of the league, and they were absolutely flying. And we won the league at a canter. Um, so within four or five months of being released from Sheffield United, I had a, I had a league winners medal. With Sligo Rovers without doing an awful lot. I played about 12, 13 games, but so I got a medal and it, it just felt, you know, it was, I, I was, I was happy. Whereas I, I can understand for you, you'd been at Sheffield United since you were 15. I was only there for 18 months. So you were there for how, how long were you there for five, six years to get released? Mm-hmm. Then that's a lot tougher than what I, I was only there for 18 months. And also I was three or four years older than you. I had a little bit more of maturity, I think, of been yeah. able to handle a setback like that. I think that was a big thing. Um, and like I touched on earlier, I had the CV of playing in the League of Ireland behind me, so people knew me already. So I could fall back onto that, whereas you didn't have that um, League of Ireland yeah. experience. So I think that was a big that was a big difference. Yeah, I think um, I just want to expand on that just for our yeah, listeners because I feel like United. a lot of our players struggle with dealing with setbacks. Um, and for me, it's my personal opinion as a coach, Every single player is going to have a setback in their career. Every single player. Um, I was I was pretty similar to Shane. Uh, I got my setback, got released, and I sort of was very I was sour about it and didn't really just yeah. put it in the bin and crack on. And maybe that that's what let me down. What what advice would you give to our listeners then if they were to deal with a setback and what what methods did you take to try and crack on and kick on and try and continue to find that I think the most important thing to deal with setbacks is exactly what you said when you started talking about them they're going to happen it's going to be it's inevitable so don't see setbacks as you know oh I'm so unlucky here aren't I you know such bad luck this always happens to me you you've got to accept it that this is going to happen at some point in your career and it's not just a, a, a footballer's career it's any walk of life you're going to have knockbacks you're going to have setbacks there's going to be tough times so you need to accept them as this is part of the journey what can, what can I do from here? What are my options from here? And like I say, 
comparing myself to Shane, I probably had three or four more years of maturity on me where I was able to see, right, I've left Sheffield United. I probably wasn't good enough anyway to play in the Championship. I wasn't good enough yet to play in League One. I need to go back to the League of Ireland, try and play some more football over there and see if I can find my way back to, back to, the, um, back to, back to England. And like I say, a little bit of fortune along the way. I met John Coleman and was able to, to get back to England. Don't be afraid to take that step back to try and obviously push yourself yeah. forward again. Yeah. You know? I mean, so moving from Sheffield United to Sligo Rovers is, is a step back, isn't it? No matter how you try and sugarcoat it. You know, mm. when people ask me, I was playing for Sheffield United in, in June. Who are you playing for in July? I'm playing for Sligo Rovers. They'll think, you've dropped down a few divisions there, haven't you? <laughs> well, I, I did though, because but I found you know I found my division. This is where this is where I was capable of playing. There's no point being at Sheffield United if you're not able to compete at that level. Yeah, yeah. Well, you go back to Sligo Rovers, compete at that level, find your confidence again, start enjoying playing football again, start enjoying going to training. I wasn't enjoying going to training at Sheffield United. I was always nervous. Am I gonna am I gonna come in with the first team and get made a fool of? Back to Sligo Rovers, I, I felt comfortable again, and I was enjoying my football again. And that's how you produce your best football when you enjoy it. Love it. That's really interesting. Love the honesty. When, um, when, I, was at, um, when I was at Wrexham, that's where I played most of my career. One of the best... Go on the Wrexham. The mighty <laughs> Wrexham. Um, one of the best coaches I ever had was Joey Jones. Um, used to play for Liverpool. And he... What you just said there is he's... He, I always, always stuck in my mind one training session. It was like, Lee, you, every footballer will always find their level. And whether it's like lower level or right at the top, you'll always find your level, no matter what. Um, and that always stuck with me. And I just thought, you know what? If I don't get to where I want to go, I will find my level. Unfortunately, that level now is with Rydalmere Lions. In... <laughs> <laughs> my legs are gone, but it was so true. You know, I look back at my youth team and everyone's gone and found their level. Um, and what's really yeah, interesting about your I've story, heard that piece of advice, advice yeah. as well. And it's it's absolutely true you'll always find if you want to play football you'll always find a level to play football at you can go down as low as you want or you can go up as high as you want but you'll always find a level where where you've, you've got similar lads of similar standard I'm just gonna say like I've, it's it's really cool to say that you've obviously been very honest with yourself throughout your career because at the same time there's a lot of players that sometimes think okay i don't deserve to be playing here or i'm better than this and they can and that also affects them as well and they're like oh no, I'm not going to drop down to this level or I'm not going to play for this team. Like, I'm miles better than this. And you have to be very honest with yourself as a player and sometimes realize, okay, maybe I'm not good enough for that level and I'll drop down. Or vice versa. Sometimes you're, you've gone down to a really low level just because you want to be comfortable. Or maybe your talent is actually good enough to go higher. So I feel like it's really good to see that you've tried to be as honest yeah. with yourself we as see, possible We see quite a bit career. of Huffington when you... Um, because we've got such a small budget, we have to. We rely a lot on loans. Bring a lot of players in on loan every year from Championship clubs, Premier League clubs, and you see them walk in the door. And straight away, when they walk in the dressing room, they don't have to say anything. You can just look in their eyes and see which ones are going to do well here. You know, some lads walk in and go, you know, what you've got one shower. Yeah. You know, where's the toilet? <laughs> Toilets are free, freezing cold. Where's the training pitch? And other lads are just, you know, just, just raring to go. They just accept it straight away. They've come here because they want to play games. Mm. They understand you're playing in League One, you know. This is, this is a decent standard to play at. You're going to play football league games if you come to this, this club. Um, and they just accept it straight away. And they, and they do really well and they thrive. And then you see the other lads that come in. They're looking around and they're thinking, oh, my gosh. And, they, and they've, they've gone back to their parent club within a couple of weeks and they're yeah. sitting on the bench or they're not even in the bench, they're sitting in the stand. Mm. I mean, do you not imagine yeah, exactly. better, better playing week in, week out in League One than sitting in the stand in the Championship or the Premier League? Seamus, I've got a question on top of what Jules was saying. Um, Jules just mentioned that they're probably it, and I've heard it on J uh, Jamie Vardy's documentary as well, where Jamie Vardy said that um, he's come across footballers that are way more talented than players in the Prem right now. In, in League One, is there players that are like you, you've played against or played with and you're like, wow, he he should be playing higher, but he just maybe hasn't got that drive and he's comfortable where he is. Is there a lot of players in League One that are, that are like that? Yeah, you, you see it every week, you know. Lads, over 90 minutes, you'll see them do unbelievable things. They'll take the ball, they'll run past three players and you think, oh my God, we're in for a tough one today. And then he won't touch the ball for another half an hour because he's just drifted out of the game for some reason. 
Um, and it's just, it's just all, it just goes all the way back down to attitude and mentality and just desire, just desire to keep doing this all, you know, keep, you have to keep doing it for 90 minutes. You can't just do it once or twice. Um, so like Jamie Vardy says, you, you see it all the time, lads who've got so much talent, but they don't have the, the work rate or the, the, the heart or the desire to, to do it constantly. I mean, that's, you know, you can go right to the top. I'm not the biggest fan of Cristiano Ronaldo, but his, his work rate is just incredible, you know, what he's put into the game to, to get to where he is. He's obviously immensely talented, but he's coupled that with, you know, work, staying after training, doing extra, chef, extra sessions, just constantly, constantly trying to make himself better. And that's taken him right to the, right to the mm-hmm. pinnacle of the game. Yeah, he's ran with his talent, yeah. That's interesting. So I was doing a bit of research. I've always got my eye on on my old friends. I, I always keep an eye on you. So I came across... Oh, Were you in the shower, Shane? On the laptop. <laughs> oh, okay. I came across um, a blog. I think... You, were you writing the blog, James? I've just started writing a blog recently. Yeah, did you come yeah. across that, did you? So I came Go across... Come on, Seamus, love it. Um, <laughs> love so it, mate. I've, I'm not sure which one I was in, but one of the lines was something like... It was something to do with your feel, the, the feelings before a game that nervous energy, uh, uh, the nerves you feel to perform and stuff like that. So uh, I'm not exactly sure what it was, but can you can you tell us a little bit more about that? I, I know that from my time spending with you, nerves was something, and you already said it in the podcast, nerves was something that you did struggle with, especially when there was pressure put on you to, to play, to train with the first team or to play in, in a big game. So is, is nerves something that you struggle with before before games right now? Yeah, yeah, I've always struggled with, I don't know, yeah, struggled, I've always felt nervous. Mm. Um, I think I think what you, I was speaking about, I feel nervous because I need to perform to stay in the team. So I'm aware that if, I, if, my, if my performance level drops, I'll be out of the team and that'll cost me, like, where I am now, all my thinking is, is family-orientated now. So obviously, married to Lauren, I've got two kids, I've got a mortgage to pay for, I've got other bills. So if I don't play, I don't get my appearance fee. So straight away, my kids are down on money this month. That's how I look at it. And then also, we need to perform as a team so that we don't get relegated. Because if we get relegated, I take a 20% pay cut because that's written into my contract. Mm. So all these things are in my mind constantly when I'm playing football. Um, and, and so they, they, that brings nerve, that brings pressure. So I think that's what I was writing about in the blog. Is yeah. I was trying to put across... You know, it's, it's, I hate, I hate ever trying to come across like I'm ungrateful to be a footballer or please feel sorry for me. You know, I've got a tough life. I don't, I have a fantastic life, but I was just trying to put over a little bit of the other side. It, it is, it, it can be, you know, it can be tough sometimes, you know, I don't look forward to games. I, I, I'm always worried about them. I, what I enjoy about football is the feeling at five o'clock when you've won a game or when you've accomplished something. Wow. For that, for that, for that, for the lead up to three o'clock, I'm always very, like Lauren will tell you, I'm not a nice person to be around. The evening before, so Friday nights, I don't really talk that much. And Saturday morning, I'm like in my own world. She's trying to talk to me and it's going in one ear, out the other, because I'm just <laughs> fully focused on, you know, what I've, what I've got to do today. I'm just thinking about getting to the ground for one o'clock. How am I going to prepare for the game? You know, who are we up against today? Right, we need to win this game because we don't win this game those three teams are going to go above us. That means we're in 15th place. We're only three points away from the relegation. Yeah, all, these, all these scenarios are going over my head. Yeah. That, 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 that was the well. line. That was the line that stuck with me. I don't look forward to games anymore. Yeah, yeah. And, th- and that was yeah. when I said, I need to speak to you about that and, yeah. and to try and yeah. expand on that. Yeah. That's, wow. Well, I, wow. That was I, an I unbelievable think, insight, by the way. That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that goes like it opens your eyes to realize that because obviously from the outside as fans we look at football as entertainment yeah. but obviously for you players especially at the level that you're playing and you mentioned that bit about if you don't win this game three four teams go above you and now you have to fight for your place in the league you got it's it's literally your it's your job like you're you're fighting for your job it's not really entertainment for you guys like it is for us fans yeah I, I, which makes it really, really difficult. One thing that stuck like, with me, Seamus, is uh, I've got a family now as well. Um, and I think the second you become a dad, you're, like, 
the boys will laugh at me because yeah, I haven't got kids. But the second you become a dad, your you, your whole world changes and you look at yeah. the world differently. And and I just felt that little bit of pressure then when you were telling me that story. I was like, I, I get up every day to coach, doing something that I love, but I don't feel that pressure that that you're feeling there. Like it's that's if I was going to play for Rydalmere, knowing that my performance counts on like the income <laughs> for my family, like that's real pressure. Yeah. That is very like i just felt that because i've got a little girl as well like wow that was amazing insight i love that mate that was amazing yeah so that i mean that all changed when, when like you say when you had kids straight away like if i was a single man now you know if i didn't play one week to the next so you know what, am i down 100 quid or something like that it's okay we'll be all right but that's 100 quid going towards samuel's new clothes or his his nursery fees you know to so he can go wow. and, and mix with his friends a couple of days a week you know these are the things that that go through my mind um, wow. right now since, since I've had kids yeah. how do you deal with them nerves and what sort of calms you down and gets you in the zone I, I don't know I, I, I think I've just come to accept them I've just come to accept that they're going to be there do you feel that like you said um, Lauren when she tried to speak to you on a game day you feel like you're probably in your own head do you overthink things a lot like you, you're just constantly thinking about the game and you're trying to do the right things yeah. and then Sometimes come the game, you've you've just completely blown up your inside of your head. You know what I mean? Yeah, just, I, de- I definitely I definitely think too much about things. Um, Lauren Lauren tells me that all the time. You take it too seriously. You take too much on board. Um, probably mm-hmm. as the captain, I carry a little bit more of the you know expect um, the team's performances. I take them a little bit more to heart because I feel like you know I should have answers. For when things aren't going right in like team meetings or during the, during the game, if things aren't going right, I should be able to understand why and be able to change things, which isn't always realistic. Um, so yeah, I, I just think with with nerves, I've just I've just come to accept them as part of this is what it's like in the lead up to, in the build up to a game. Um, and once once the game starts, I'm 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 all right then because I'm you know I don't have time to be nervous. I'm fully focused on on what's happening on the pitch. Um, you're just fully engrossed in that and like I say then come five o'clock once you've won a game and you've played well it's the best feeling in the world you know you feel like you feel 10, ten feet tall walking off the pitch and you can't wait to get home then to to share it with your family um, and then it's a different it's di- different then when you've lost because yeah. that's another thing I found really tough since becoming a dad yeah. once I've lost a game you know you feel you feel bad especially if you've had a bad performance as well to try and leave that at the leave that at the ground and walk in the door and have a smile on your face because the kids want you've to got, see you. You've got to be a dad, you've to, yeah. You've got to be a dad again, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got to wow. change nappies and do the bath and put them to bed <laughs> without without shouting at them. That's, um, so that, yeah. <laughs> not always easy. The lads won't know what that what's that, what that's like, Seamus. They just no. go and play a bit of Call of Duty or Jules was just. Well, I'll ask I'll ask you. Do you get Jules and Lee? Do you ever get nervous before games? <laughs> Hundred percent, yeah. Be honest. I think, on personal opinion, at the level we play now, I don't. I actually just look forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, but yeah, but but um, when I was like obviously fighting for a place in the team, like yourself, Shame, or fighting for a pro contract, it's way different, way way different. Um, it's a diff- complete different feeling. And sometimes you let them emotions get the better of you, and you have an absolute stinker. And it's just all in your head. It's all in your head, you know. Yeah. Um. That 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 is. This is why we do the podcast, mate. Because I just feel like our listeners are get. They they don't understand. They don't understand the value the value that we get in here, Shane. You know. Yeah. I I have learned recently that I have a. I have an unrealistic. I don't know. Is it like um. I take mistakes to heart. I take them a lot more. Um. I see a. I will look way too deep in them. Like if I give the ball away, straight away I'll think, okay, I'm a manager. Sorry, I'm allowed to swear. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Love the it. Manager will, go on. Crack on. The manager will think I'm having one here. You know, he's he's gonna you know he's gonna take me off in about five minutes, especially if I give the next pass away. Whereas the more I've thought about it, I don't think like if a teammate gave the ball away, I don't think oh he's having one here straight away. You know, it's it's with what what's going on in your own head and you there's, there's your brain's telling you things that aren't realistic. You know, I'm thinking I should go out there and play 90 minutes without making a mistake. And that's just not realistic. Um, mm-hmm. So 
you've got to get into that mindset where you're going to go out there, you're going to make mistakes. It's, it's how you respond to those mistakes. Um, you've got to keep looking for the ball. Don't hide. You know, once get on the ball, once to make up for that mistake. Mm. So you've given the ball away once, right? Get the ball again, complete your next pass. Um, yeah. I, I found as well, like just listening to you there now, for me as a player, one of the worst feelings you can have is what you described there is that if you make a mistake, then you have like the eyes on you and you're not yet, you're, you're feeling that you could be hooked off at any time. And yeah. to try and go out with and play with that, constantly knowing that, right, if I do this wrong, I could be whipped off after five minutes. That's tough to carry in a game. Not playing your own game. You're, you're trying to do what someone else wants you to do, you know? Yeah, it probably, it probably makes you do things that don't come naturally to you as well to, to try and make an impact to, to stay on mm. the pitch. Whereas if I try to do if I try to hit 50, 60 yard diags, they're not going to get anywhere because that's not my game. My game I've is seen, to get I've the seen, ball. I've seen, I've seen you do a few times, don't worry. On the golf course, maybe, but not, <laughs> yeah, yeah. not the football pitch. Um, yeah, so it's about understanding what your own strengths are. And, you know, that's another thing going back to John Coleman, our manager. He, he knows what my strengths are and he wants me to do what I'm good at doing. And that's, that's such a blessing yeah. for me. It goes back yeah. to that lucky break I had. It's a manager that appreciates what I can do. Get the ball past the ball. Keep things ticking over. Win your headers, win your tackles, read the game. And that's what I can do. So that's that's what he asks me to do. I'm going to play for the Lions. Love the Rydal Mayor Lions. Got a contract not ready for you. <laughs> but bring the Shane's family the over. first one to get hooked to the Lions, Seamus. Shane, sure. <laughs> 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 oh, you got to try and bang someone in the games. Um... Moving away, obviously, we've had a good chat about nerves and, and the mental side of the game, which is obviously very important and a great insight. You've hopefully got a couple more good years in you as a, as a footballer, but um, do you have any plans going forward in terms of, I don't know, do you want to get into management, into coaching, maybe manage players? Do you want to stay within the game or do you want to move well, away from that, the game? That altogether? blog that Shane actually touched on, the only reason I'm doing that is because I'm doing a sports journalism degree uh, at university mm. now. Um, so one of, the, one of the assignments that we had was to, to you have to write a blog about a certain subject and put okay. it online and try and get people to read it. But I'm glad it's made it all the way to Australia. I'm doing well there. Yeah, um, yeah we'll plug it for you. No problem. We'll, we'll plug yeah. it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think maybe maybe go down that route, some kind of journalism, radio. I enjoy doing a bit of radio. Um, I've done, I've, I've started, I've done my first badge, which is UA for B badge. Wow, yeah, decent. But I've, don't particularly think not something I've got in mind then to go into coaching. It is something I could do, I think, but at the moment I'm, I'm more gearing towards the media side of it. I, I enjoy doing the bit of journalism, bit of radio. Okay. I've got, um, I've got an, I've got an added question to that. Commentary, yeah. Love it. Love it. I've got an added question to that. Do you think that footballers should be thinking like a plan B? You know, because obviously careers are short. Oh, um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because you Especially see, like right now with the way things are. All the pros and that and the premise site and like YouTube channels and all that, it's going a bit crazy. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, well, certainly these last couple of weeks, um, Gary Neville's actually come out in the, on Sky Sports there the other day and he said, if I was a footballer right now, I'd be doing a, a journal, uh, a course with, in university or I'd be going back to, to college. I'd be trying to find some kind of, something to fall back on because nobody knows what's, what, what's going to happen, yeah, what football's really, going to look really like in a couple of months' time. Yeah. Mm. No, that's 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 interesting because most footballers just say that they want to stay in the game or become a coach. But I love that that, that you want to go into that. Well, the, uh, the, the the thing about coaching and management, it's such a saturated industry industry now. You know, mm, tell, so tell me about people, it. So many people have retired and become coaches and managers. In in I don't know what it's like where you are, but in England now, it's you know it's it's so hard to to get a job in in coaching, and even harder than to get a job yeah. as a manager. You know, if you look at the, the top jobs in the Premier, not the top jobs, but there's like Premier League managers. It's just a merry-go-round. They just keep it moving around. There's, there's yeah, no way yeah. any more any new managers are able to break through. Um, just interesting. That, that's that's really interesting. I've got um, I've just got a few like they're not going to be quick fire, so you don't like, have to answer them really quickly. But okay. um, I love this part. I I really love this part. We always ask like the players about couple of the best players they play with against i've just got a few questions and i might the boys might ask like further questions but the first one is who's the best player you've played with 
Um, I played with James now. Coleman for the. I played James Coleman Shane for the Mark. Ireland under twenty ones. So he's gone wow. on obviously to have a very good league. He played at everything. He's he's, yeah. he's gone the highest. So did he James really Coleman. stand out for you? Um, <clears throat> he was good. He he didn't stand out, but I think that's he's never really you know stood out. If you even if we watch him play for everything, because of the position he plays, he's not gonna he's not gonna score a hat trick or he's not gonna create three or four goals. But he, he was very good. And, you know, I watch him week, week in, week out, playing for the Premier League and for Ireland. And because he's Irish, you know, he, he, he'd be my number one player to ever play with. And he's got the same well, name as you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, who's the best player you've played against? Um, we, played, we played a League Cup game against West Ham about three or four years ago and Dimitri Payet played. And he was... Oh, oh. You know, he, he wasn't Player. he wasn't fast, but he just glided around the pitch, and you just couldn't get near him. And you're just wondering how is he getting around the pitch because he wasn't quick, but he just he was just incredible. And then he won the World Cup then the, later that year, so he had a World Cup winners medal. So that'll be the best one I played against. Yeah, he scored the winner in the last minute from a free kick from 30 yards as well. Oh, shock! Were you in the wall, James? <laughs> no. I, I, I'd, I'd come off five minutes earlier. I was injured. I wasn't hooked up. Oh, I was injured. Hooked. Got the hook. <laughs> uh, who's, the, who's the best coach you've ever had? Um, I, when I first started out at Goal United, Jeff Kenner was my manager. Remember Jeff Kenner? He won the league with Blackburn. He's an Irish fella. He won the league. He won the Premier League with, with Blackburn Rovers in the mid-90s. Um, and he was very good. I was just kind of, I think I was just in awe of him because I just, it was my first professional team and the manager was a fella who'd won the Premier League and he'd played with Alan Shearer and he played with Chris Sutton and he'd played 50 times for the Republic of Ireland. Um, and he was like, you know, he was coaching me. So I just got a real buzz out of that and I really enjoyed yeah. working with him. Yeah. That's amazing. What, what makes, a, in your opinion, what makes a, a good coach a good coach or a good manager? Good manager. Um, um, making a player feel better than he is, you know, telling him that you're the best player in this position in the whole league. Now go out there because I, I believe that you're the best player. You're the best centre midfielder in this, in this division or you're the best centre back. And then also going back to what I mentioned earlier as a captain, knowing how to get the best out of your players. So knowing mm. when to give them a kick up the backside. Or knowing when you know they need a quiet word, a little arm around the shoulder, a little reassurance. You know you're still you're still you know top top player. You know you're having a tough time at the moment, but you know I still think you're the best player in this in your position in this league. So. All right, guys, I think we will leave it there. We let um, Seamus got the the bed. I know it's late um, over there in the UK, so we really appreciate um, you coming on and having a with us. Uh, I'm sure lots that our listeners can get from that podcast to obviously speak to someone in a little bit different different journey in football and then loads of insight into into the leagues that he's played in so we really appreciate it Seamus and um, top man for coming on and um, we wish you obviously all the best over the next couple of weeks and um, hopefully everything works out with the club and, and, and you as a player as well thanks very much Thank pleasure enjoyed it Thank no, you. I just want to add to that Shane is um we could have Diego Maradona, Messi, Ronaldo on this podcast, but they could be stiff, you know, and not say anything or don't really give us a good insight. And just want to say, Seamus, you've been an absolute pleasure, mate. What a great podcast. And again, I don't know what more we can do for our listeners to give. Like, they're getting so much value out of these podcasts. And um, yeah, some great insights there and really appreciate your time. And and, and I hope this is a, this is me. Are you going scratcher now, like Shane says? Going scratcher. <laughs> So that's what that's, Shane calls his bed the scratcher, and some of the some of the stuff that Shane comes out with with his accent. With never heard Jules, of that. Yeah, you never heard that. See, what are you on about, no. Shane? He's, Seamus has grew up in England, man. No. Some of the stuff <laughs> Shane comes out with, like, what is he on about? <laughs> now you're a legend, mate. It. Thank you so much for your time. Um, yeah, thank you so much. And and we say this to all of our guests. Thanks, Seamus. If you ever want to come to Sydney, mate. We'll look after you. What a place Sydney is! So, yeah, if you ever want to yeah. come here for a holiday with the family, we can we can look after you, mate. No problem. Will do, lads. Thanks very much. Best of luck with everything, lads. Okay, I can see you. You work really hard and you care a lot about what you do. Um, so best of luck with everything, and hopefully I'll see you down the road someday. Yes, Definitely. thank you so much, mate. Legend, oh, man. Mate. Lads.
Yes, legends, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed that podcast. Please follow us on all our social media platforms and don't forget to rate and subscribe to our podcast. See you on the next one.